I hope that in most ways we bounce back, but I hope in some other really important ways we allow this storm to change us, to wash away some stuff that needed to be washed away, and to change us so that the better angels we've seen this week aren't just momentary, temporary, but that we're truly changed from the inside out. I'm Rhonda St. Pierre, and this is my husband, Bob. We started coming to the story when our daughter, Haley, was singing at the story, and we wanted to be supportive parents and just got hooked in. I've lived in Houston my whole life. We moved into this house when I was in 11th grade, and so it's hard to kind of see it go through this facelift. We're live here in Houston where Harvey's rains keep coming, the waters keep rising, and according to the National Weather Service, the city is now facing an unprecedented flood event. Thousands of people are in need of rescuing. We weren't able to get out. The bio rose too fast. I was in my apartment and I got a text from my dad saying that they were sitting on the roof with the dog. It was terrifying. Sitting on the roof and, and waiting to be evacuated out, as overwhelming as that was, the amount of love and support that we've received is more overwhelming. Aww, I love you guys. <laughs> I believe that through the store, we probably had almost 60 people come through in two days. They just showed up. People bought boxes, people brought tape, and people came with their whole families. And by the end of the next day, everything was done. I mean, I've never been so grateful in my life for the kindness of strangers. The stuff we lost is just stuff. We've gained so much more from the love that the story has shown us. Would you like to share a word or two with us? Certainly. Thank you so much, uh, not just for the greeting, but for what I know all of you have done. These are our representatives from the Cajun Navy today. They're here to worship with us. We can only imagine what y'all have given up to come here and do this. I cannot imagine how many lives y'all have saved, and not just saved, but how many people you have just brought back from the brink of just depression and despair. Woo! It's going to be a mess. This is the driveway going up towards my my house. I'm gonna we're gonna get wet, babe. You ready? Oh my goodness. Alright. Tank, come on. Look at this over here. I don't know where all this stuff floated in from. Oh my god! There's Patty! Patty! How did you survive that? <laughs> okay. Man up, Lester. Oh, there's Meg. Patty, I know you're so scared, baby. Oh, oh my God, babies, come here. I'm so sorry. I'm gonna, st I'm gonna try to man up a little bit. Come here, Meg. Come on, baby. I know you're scared. How did, how did you survive? Come here, Meg. It was a mystery trying to wonder how those that did survive actually made it. No, it's to this day. It just, I don't know how in the world that could have happened. This is I'm a Jean right here. She's my other surviving donkey. Look at that face. How can you just not love that face and these ears? 
I love this girl. You see a home destroyed. You see everything I ever owned out in the front yard in a big pile. You wonder to yourself, you know, where is God in all of this? Lots of people quit. And I'm not gonna lie, it was tempting. But uh, I just couldn't see myself quitting on the animals that had survived, you know, and quitting on my home. You know, the house my kids grew up in. So I didn't quit. And so, you know, I'm not gonna say I saw God in that, but what I saw God in is the fact that I had strength and he gave me the wisdom to push, to push, and to be blessed of what I have left. Most people know me in Houston for a large mural called Préservons la Création, which is a 10,000 square foot mural. When I was asked to, to paint Jesus, I was nervous because I know how important it is. When the hurricane hit, I had to start. I was already a little bit behind schedule, so I could not get out of my mind, you know, what's going on here in Houston. So I feel like it's really added a layer of how important it is. Because of Hurricane Harvey, the shape of the painting was actually shaped by the letters Houston. And I felt like even though you can't see it now, it's there, the spirit is there. I really hope and, and I expect the painting to be appreciated by many people, but also to bring hope. Uh, you know, life goes on and, um, and hopefully the painting is kind of a, uh, a testament that we can continue to build and create. I wanted to give uh, you guys a chance uh, to thank um, a man who gave us a lot of uh, hope and reasons to believe and cling to hope uh, through the, the storm last year. I wanted to invite uh, Sebastian Boulot up on uh, stage uh, with me to have him come and share a little bit with us. <laughs> love you, brother. All right. All right, now I'm jealous. Sebastian, we've <laughs> got two standing O's he today. I hate it, no, I love it. Uh, man, um, how many of you were a part of the story a year ago um, during the Harvey uh, storm? Just by show of hands. Look around, you guys, there's like way less than half of people in the room. The, this church has grown quite a bit over the past year, so this piece behind me is new to some of you, and um, this was unveiled in the weeks that followed the, uh, the Harvey storm. And in fact, we were working with Sebastian on a whole different project until Harvey hit, and then it sort of became something brand new and more inspired. I just wanted to ask Sebastian to come and speak a little bit about that process and, and what this year's meant to you. Yeah, thank you for having me, first of all. Um, yeah, I think I'm, I'm going to choke a little bit less than earlier, because mm. when I watched that video, everything I planned to say just... Just, I couldn't say it anymore. I was, uh, I thought I was going to pick on you and I was going to try to be funny and, you know, because you do that to others. So I figured, you know, and, uh, and really it's just, it was such a powerful time uh, for all of us and uh, hence why many of us are wearing the Houston Strong t-shirt. I think it was a really a defining moment uh, for the city, for, for all of us. And uh, me as an artist, I've been doing this for 30 years and this painting, man, it was, it was heavy in the, in the, in the best possible way. I felt uh, I, it was, the canvas was ready and I had to stop because of the storm. Literally, like, just, 
And so the day I picked, when the blue sky came back and I started painting, I mean, half the city was underwater, you know, and I'm like, I was struggling with that. I was like, should I be here? Should I be helping? Like, right. you know, and I was help doing other things, but I was like, I knew I had to do this. Yeah. And I felt, and, and uh, just to inspire people like, okay, let's get back on our feet and, and um, you know, and do what I do best, you know. And like I said earlier, bakers should bake, painters should paint. Everybody did something, however big or small. And, um, and I was using a lot of water uh, for this process. You probably saw that. And so it just, it was really incredible, man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, we unveiled it in September after Harvey. And then um, for those of you who were around, we had a voting competition to name the piece. And finally, the first week of December, we came to a conclusion in that voting process. And this, this piece is called Love Has a Name. And for us, that name is Jesus. And when you look into Jesus's eyes, any of the four Jesuses. Sebastian probably has several other Jesuses hidden in different layers on this piece, but um, there's a look in Jesus' eyes that spoke to different people in different ways, especially those that were going through the worst of Harvey. People that lost everything saw in the eyes of Jesus peace and tranquility, but also just resolution, like uh, this determination to overcome the storm. And so this peace has meant so much to us. And I will say, Sebastian, the most special part of it for me personally, selfishly, is uh, that I've gained a friend this year, and um, Sebastian and I have grown as close as our schedules allow us <laughs> to grow. Um, we've intended to get together a lot more than we actually have, but when we've gotten together, we've had fun and uh, <laughs> too much. And um, so the, 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 the idea here was, you know, we'll have an artist come and do a piece, and what we ended up with was a friend and a brother here. Like Sebastian gets the attendance award for 2017, 2018. He's been here more than anybody else this whole year, along with his girlfriend, Lisa. This, this was an experiment. I was like, let's see, you know, what happens when I do that. Because uh, if you guys have listened to the podcast or if you know me a little bit, uh, I'm more comfortable in my art studio than I am in a church, you know, typically. And uh, I would say uh, so far, so good. You know? So far, so good. I haven't. All right. I want to give you all one more chance to thank Sebastian today. Thank you for all of your work. We do love you. Grateful. I'll be outside. Grateful. Okay. What a year. What a year it has been. Um, we've been, uh, for the past couple of months, talking about the questions that we have about uh, God and the Bible. In July, we talked about the questions children ask about God and the Bible. And so we just thought, let's keep it going for another month and talk about the questions grown-ups have about God and the Bible. And I'm glad we did because if Harvey raised anything for us, it's just a bunch of questions about God and where he is. You heard Lester, the farmer, in that video said, I'm not always sure where God's at. And a tragedy like this. And so I just, I had two questions on my mind that I wanted to talk about today. And the first question is, uh, does God send storms? And those of you who know me know that I haven't really been a, a believing Christian for very long, like uh, five and a half years, more or less. And uh, I've always kind of struggled with the idea of a God who sends storms. Like, I want God to be nicer than that. I want God to be more of a buddy, like... Um, 
you know, I, I want to say that, well, the storms are, you know, it's, it's human action. It's, it's global warming or it's a fallen creation or all this other stuff. That's what I used to want to say. But if you believe in God and, and Jesus as the representation of God and, and, and the embodiment of God, then you have to start taking the stuff Jesus said seriously and the stuff that's in the Bible seriously. And if you take the Bible seriously, there's no getting around the idea that God does, in fact, send storms. He sends them. So the question isn't whether he sends them. If you are a person of faith, then the question becomes why does he send them? Biblically speaking, God sends storms for many different reasons, and it's not the reasons you've heard in the news or on social media, like when the preachers get in the spotlight and say, well, God sent that storm to that place because of these sins, like God is punishing these sinners, and that's why God sent that storm. We can't be so sure about uh, you know, why God sends storms in terms of punishment, especially, it's really not what it's about, biblically speaking. In the Bible, God sends storms to wash away things like violence and wickedness. God sends storms to try and free his slaves in the book of Exodus. God sends storms in other parts of the Bible to make his power known before people or, or to replenish the earth or to, uh, uh, you know, give believers an opportunity to witness to unbelievers. There's all kinds of different reasons in the Bible that God sent storms. So the, the question of whether God sends storms is, is pretty settled for me now. But that second question, if so, then why did God send this storm? That is, uh, that's a tougher one to answer. Why? Especially for those of you that are still struggling through the aftermath of losing everything. Why did God send this storm. So I want you to work with me here. I know like, I know Houstonians like to just move on and not go back in time and, and sort of wallow in our weakness. We like to just be self-sufficient and pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and get going with life. But that happened a year ago, that awful storm and the aftermath. And so I want you to think back with me what we were doing a year ago today. Today's the 26th. It was when things started getting real. But think just a few days before that even, what we were doing. I was looking back at my digital sort of trail that week last year. I was looking at my emails and social media posts. And it's funny that last year on the Wednesday before the weekend, like none of us were really worried at all. We were all praying really, really hard for Corpus Christi. You remember the good old days back when we prayed for Corpus Christi? Because they were going to get it. We were like, I sent a, a global blast email to everybody in the church and said, y'all be ready to respond to whatever's about to happen in Corpus Christi because it's going to get real over there and we'll pray about it this Sunday. I'll see y'all on Sunday. <laughs> Little did I know that uh, that's not how things would, would go down. Corpus ended up uh, not unscathed but close. And of course, things took a turn. Gio and I and the, the kids were out of town. We were up in Dallas taking a few days off. And so it wasn't until Thursday morning that the forecasts really began to shift. And forecasters, meteorologists started to say that we in Houston should expect upwards of 20 inches of rain, they said. And we gasped, 20 inches of rain? That sounds horrific. Like we flood with three and a half inches of rain. Like what are we going to do with 20 and they, they, they warned of power outages and gas shortages. And they told us that there might be evacuations in some parts of the city. And so Gio and I faced a difficult decision. We were far from home, up in Dallas with our kids. And so the decision was, as any parent would have to decide, do we want to subject our kids 
to a city full of just devastation, depravity, and darkness? Or do we want to get out of Dallas and go home to Houston? Like those were the, that was the, that was the issue before us. And so, that was a no-brainer. We, we, uh, we headed south on 45. We were the only ones heading south on 45. It was bumper to bumper coming up north on 45. Bucky's was apocalyptic is the only word <laughs> I can use to describe it. It was unbelievable. And we finally got home late Thursday night, and I got to work doing the things for my home and my family that a real man would have done months prior. I got to work <laughs> preparing our home for disaster as the disaster struck. Uh, so I, I put out sandbags uh, that we had bought in Dallas. I, I filled the tubs with water. I didn't know if we were gonna be without water. I uh, uh, filled the generator with gas. I changed the oil in my generator, thanks to some real man on YouTube who knows how to change the oil on a generator. And uh, I got ready. And then we hunkered down. It was Thursday night. Are y'all with me? You remember where you were Thursday night? We hunkered down. Went to bed late, got up early. Kept checking on the weather outside. It looked, Friday morning, it looked like we had dodged a bullet. Y'all remember our Facebook post on Friday morning, how mean we were to those meteorologists that got us up in arms. All they want is hype, we said. All they want is headlines and clicks. It boosts their ratings to scare us. And so we thought it was over. But wait, they said, the worst is yet to come. And the rains kept falling, a steady rain, not super hard, but a steady rain. And it, it grew worse as the day went on. And Friday night, we kind of all started getting really worried. And we were up and down all Friday night. And then Saturday morning, we woke up to this. This was the scene Saturday morning, which wasn't even as bad as it would get. As the rain kept falling, we, we thought, what is going on? We started to hear helicopters overhead. Y'all remember the sound of the choppers? Some were the life flight helicopters. Some were military helicopters. It was like a scary movie at times. There was the smell of gasoline in the water from all the boats. There were more and more boats as the day went on because people were literally floating out of their houses waist deep in filthy water, some of them with kids in their arms to either get to a rescue point or to climb up on their roof and wait. People were taking to Twitter to beg for a rescue. And many of us who had survivor's guilt, many of us that weren't as affected were just on our phones mourning, grieving, feeling helpless. There's nothing we can do. Friday or Saturday went, went on and the rain kept falling and they said the worst is still to come. Late Saturday night, well, it was late Saturday afternoon, I guess. I don't know if you all remember, if you still had phone service, your phone blowing up every 15 minutes with a new tornado warning. Remember how annoying that was? Every 15 minutes or half hour, a new tornado warning and 
There was hail, there was lightning, there were tornadoes, there were frogs, my Lord, the frogs. Do y'all remember the frogs? It's like the Exodus plagues all over again in Houston. And those of us that could sleep Saturday night woke up to an even more disastrous situation Sunday morning. We wanted to get out and help. Very few of us could. All we heard were rumors. There's no more gas, we were told. HEB won't be open for weeks, we were told. Which of your children are you going to eat first? You know, that kind of <laughs> like craziness. But, but in the moment, y'all, it feels real. Like, oh my goodness, like this was terrifying. There were rumors about where volunteers were needed. Like, like at first it was George R. Brown. Wait, George R. Brown is full. There are too many volunteers at George R. Brown. Let's go to NRG and, and from one place to another. If you've ever done CPR on any living creature, we need you now. Like there were all these calls for help and all this just urgency building up inside of us. It was, uh, it was awful. I... Uh, I think on Monday we thought it was behind us. And for most of us, the worst was behind us on Monday. Unless you live in that Attic's Reservoir area. When they had to release the reservoir into neighborhoods full of thousands of unsuspecting citizens. In the middle of the night. And your adventure was just beginning. As I look back on that time... uh, I remember a lot, but what I remember feeling the most is a certain kind of dread that was unfamiliar to me. This dread that I guess is a kind of fear. I hesitate to call it fear because it wasn't like, oh, let's run for the hills kind of fear. It wasn't like, you know, wet your bed kind of fear. It was more just this dread that loomed over you. It was this fear that I, I sort of attributed to two things. The first thing is the fear of uncertainty, the fear of what is going to happen. How does this end? Where does this script lead? We've never been here before. This is uncharted territory. What goes on in a city of 7 million people when there's no power or no gas or no food? What's next? So there was the uncertainty, and then there was the insufficiency. This is harder for me to talk about. The feeling of insufficiency. There was the scarcity of what if there's not enough? What if, like there was the first time in my life, what if I don't have food for us? Like that was the sort of existential crisis. What if we run out of bread and milk? Or God forbid, coffee. <laughs> or, <laughs> what if we run out of wine? You know, that, those kinds of... Again, it was, we're laughing now, but it was serious then. <laughs> then there's like the other questions of like, what if I'm not enough? What if I'm insufficient to lead my family through this or to lead my church through this? What if I'm not strong enough to fight off the roving bands of anarchists that I know are coming from my generator one day? <laughs> you know, there's all these irrational fears too that you start to have that were real at the time. Um, what if? I'm not ready. You know, I can't be sure about this. I don't claim to know 100% the mind and will of God. But I, I think it's conceivable that God sends storms and that he sent this storm in some way to teach us something about fear. You, you know everybody wants you to be scared because... If they scare you, 
They have you. If the media finds a way to scare you, they've got your attention and that's all they need. If politicians find a way to scare you, either scare you of, from immigrants or to scare you about the president or whatever side you're on, like well, if they scare you, they've got you. You're easily manipulated. If religious leaders find a way to scare you, to scare you about hell or whatever, the wrath of God, then, then they've got you. Everybody wants you scared because when you're scared, you're a slave. Did you know the most often repeated phrase in all the Bible is do not be afraid. Do not fear. Like in uh, the prophet Isaiah in chapter 41, God says through the prophet, do not fear for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Do not be afraid. This is the essential struggle of faith. Whether to fear the things that can harm the body or take away our stuff or rob us of our possessions or change our five-year plan, to be afraid or to trust. This is the essential question of faith. And I think there may be many reasons why God allowed the storm to happen, but I think among them is this struggle for us as Houstonians is real. The struggle of materialism is real. Can we overcome our fear of losing our stuff and changing our plan? In the weeks that followed, we kept finding these reasons to hold on to hope. We kept finding in our city and online reasons to cling to the possibility that we'll overcome this storm after all, this storm that was worse than anything any of us had ever seen before. We saw uh, rescuers coming from all over the place, including here in Houston, uh, Pasadena, Galveston, all the way from Louisiana, the Cajun Navy came to our rescue with their boats and their ice chests full of water and whatever else they had in their ice chests. And they saved us like heroes. They saved us from our homes, from our floods. They saved us and our kids and our families and our neighbors. And do you know what they didn't ask every single time they saved a citizen of this city? No rescuer asked for papers or documents or your politics or your orientation or your religion or what language you speak or where you're from. All they gave you was a hand. And they took you to safety. We found hope in images of Mattress Mac, who was ubiquitous in our city. He was everywhere, all things to all people. He was a sign of God's hope during that time. We found hope in little things that were not so little at the time. I was out in the lobby out here squeegeeing the floor because we took a lot of water inside this building when these two boys, these good old boys from Colorado showed up in the biggest pickup truck I've ever seen in my life. And the back of their truck was full of diapers and feminine hygiene products and all the kinds of things you don't expect good old boys to be carrying around with them. And they said as soon as we heard Houston was in need, we hopped in our truck and loaded up and headed south. And we've been driving nonstop ever since. And they showed up in our church parking lot. I don't know how they found this church, but they said, can you use this stuff? And I said, absolutely. We've got plenty of people that could use it. You know, we had hundreds of people in the story community alone, thousands in this neighborhood that were displaced, that lost seemingly everything. 
that meant the world to me. And I remember this image floating around in the days that followed the worst of Harvey of uh, a groom holding his bride in the air and embracing her and kissing her on their wedding day, even as their starter home that they had just bought was underwater. It was a reminder that there's more to hope for than what you think is important. It was a reminder to me of this New Testament image of Jesus as the bridegroom and his people as his bride and how no matter what this world throws your way, no matter what storms come your way, no matter hell or high water, the bridegroom will have his bride and he will hold you up with his righteous right hand and embrace you and remind you everything's going to be okay. And you can live this life choosing to trust that truth or you can live this life in fear and you can be owned. It is truly your choice. It is all of our decision. When I think about that storm, I, I think about this New Testament image of baptism as well that, that washes away the things of our past, the things that need to go away. It washes away things like our fear and reminds us of what really is important. Did that storm not show us who we really are and what really matters? Stuff can go away. Even homes can go away. And I hesitated to share any of this today because I know some of you are still not back in your home. And I don't want you to hear me saying that God is punishing you extra. Because that's not how I'm coming at this. I'm saying God is using this storm to teach us a much bigger lesson about what really matters. Hmm. I think what happens next is as we look ahead from what's past, as we remember the storm in the past and look ahead to the future, we would be silly if we thought that there's, there are no more storms coming our way. Of course there are. Some of those storms will be in the form of rain falling down and floods rising up. Some of those storms, however, will be in the form of relationships falling apart, marriages on the rocks, a child having a difficult season or a diagnosis from your doctor that you didn't expect or a job that is lost or a five-year plan that is changed. There will come a time when you will face another storm. And if you're listening for what the Spirit of God is telling you through this storm we've been through, it is that you have seen the worst this world has to offer. You have lived through the worst storm of your life, and still you stand firm in the hand of God. You stand firm. And no matter if you feel insufficient, no matter if you feel insecure, you stand firmly in God's right hand so that no matter what occurs, no matter what storms this life throws your way, you are his, and he is yours. Today, you have a choice to believe <clears throat> that uh, the storms of life <clears throat> can rob you and take something from you, can wear you down and paralyze you. Or you can choose to believe that this God 
who is strong enough to send the storm. This God is strong enough to take you through whatever it is you're facing today and whatever comes your way tomorrow. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, the Apostle Paul tells his protege, Timothy, the Spirit of God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. If you're struggling today with any storm of life, if you're still struggling today with the storm that happened a year ago, trust that this God who made you holds you in his arms. This God who made you will get you through the storm you're going through today. Choose to believe that there is nothing to fear. You have nothing to be afraid of because you're sustained by the righteous right hand of God. Would you all join me in prayer? Lord, we thank you for your love. Jesus, for showing us the face of God, for showing us the name of love, for revealing to us, God, the ways that you sustained us through every storm. That no matter what comes our way, we are your people and you are our God and you love us through every single time of trouble. Lord, I pray that the lessons of this past year would be absorbed, that we would receive uh, the, the lessons of fearlessness today, that we would receive, God, the the the, the message of your sustenance so that even when we feel insufficient and uncertain, we would rest in the assurance that you are God. Thank you, God, for taking us through this past year. Even when we've been broken, we found wholeness in you. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.